Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the IFG Tafsir session 17. Inshallah, today we're going to be starting on the really exciting verses for interest. And I say exciting because when we're talking about a business and finance focused tafsir such as this, uh, this is one of the key verses that we have to explore and look at very, very carefully. And so what we're going to do today, this is going to be a, a, a verse that we're going to look at over a number of um, sessions. But today what we really want to focus on is why is interest actually not allowed? You know, we've all had those debates about why interest is not that um, it is not that acceptable in society, it's not permissible in society, and your non-Muslim friends, or even your Muslim friends who might take interest, they will have their own arguments as to why actually it's, you know, it, it should be allowed these days, etc, etc. And so we're going to have a look at some of those arguments and unpack them. So let's look at the verses that we're going to uh, be focusing in on today. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الذين يأكلون الربا لا يقومون إلا كما يقوم الذي يتخبطه الشيطان من المس ذلك بأنهم قالوا إنما البيع مثل الربا وَأَحَلَّ اللَّهُ الْبَيْعَ وَحَرَّمَ الرِّبَا فَمَنْ جَاءَهُ مَوْعِظَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّهِ فَانْتَهَى فَلَهُ مَا سَلَفْ وَأَمْرُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَمَنْ عَادَ فَأُولَئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ يمحقون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وذروا ما بقي من الربا إن كنتم مؤمنين فإن لم تفعلوا فأذنوا بحرب من الله ورسوله وإن تبتم فلكم رؤوس أموالكم لا تظلمون ولا تظلمون. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Those who consume interest cannot stand on the day of the resurrection, except as one stands who has been beaten by Satan into insanity. That is because they say trade is just like interest. But Allah has permitted trade and has forbidden interest. So whosoever has received an admonition from his Lord and desists may have what is past. And his affair rests with Allah. But whoever returns to dealing in interest as usury, those are the companions of the fire and they will abide internally therein. And Allah says, he goes on. So, I mean, that's pretty serious stuff. So you're going to be someone who consumes interest is someone who's been beaten by Satan into insanity. Uh, and, and then this person says that interest is like a business, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, no, it's not. There is a difference. Um, and then uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he warns these people that they will be going to the hellfire. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says very, in the next verse, he says, Allah destroys interest and gives increase for charities. And Allah does not like every sinning disbeliever. And it's very interesting that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has preceded 
these verses on interest with verses on charity. And there have been a number of those verses, actually, and it was in great detail. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is contrasting interest with charity. Because as we were discussing in the verses on charity, charity is something that gives rise to productivity. It gives rise to other people becoming wealthy. It gives rise to uh, benefit in society as a whole and benefit in the economy as well. And, and interest, on the other hand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that it is the opposite of charity. So it actually detracts from society. It makes society more unjust. It makes society less productive. It causes behaviors that are harmful for society. And we'll talk a little bit about how, that, how it does that. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he goes on, he says, uh, Indeed, those who be- believe and do righteous deeds and establish prayer and give zakat will have their reward with their Lord. And there will be no fear concerning them, nor will they grieve. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, and, and contrast how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, the person who gives interest is opposite to the person who does this stuff. So he gives, uh, he does a righteous deed, he prays, he gives zakat, and you know, he, he will have their reward with, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are like the bread and butter of Islam, right? These are the bread and butter of being a Muslim. And then how many uncles do we have who do, who do all of this stuff, but then who also take interest? And they don't realize that this is a juxtaposition in the Quran. This is something that is over here, a Muslim does it, and then interest is over here, and that's what a non-Muslim does. And, and unfortunately, some people um, don't see that. And the last one, he says that, all you who believe, fear Allah and give up what remains due, due to you of interest if you should be believers. So if you've got anything that is remaining, um, that you're charging of interest from other people, then give that up. And then, and then follows a really, really severe warning. And it's a warning that has never been repeated in the Quran. Other than, you know, this is the only place it appears. And it's a very, very severe warning. And it is a warning that emphasizes the special ill, the special evil of interest of riba. And if you do not, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, then be informed of a war against you from Allah and his messenger. بِحَرْبٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Be, be uh, warned. And, you know, it will be announced that there is a war uh, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger against you. But if you repent, you may have your principle and thus you do, not, uh, you do no wrong, nor are you, um, are you wronged. So there we have a very, very severe uh, set of verses on interest. And really, I, I only really want to make two main points uh, today uh, in this. And the first is that interest is a pretty big deal. And then the second is that why is interest actually not allowed? And we want to really explore some of the debates and the arguments for that. So interest is, as we know, as we can see, a pretty big deal. And there are a hadith that really emphasize this point. So interest is described in, a, in the hadith of Rasulullah He says, A dirham which a man consumes as riba knowingly is worse before Allah than 36 acts of zina and 36 acts of adultery. 36 acts of adultery, I mean one act of adultery in the classical Islamic texts would lead to capital punishment, right? And it would be a severe capital punishment. 36 acts of that, that, that is a big deal. But interest is even worse than that. One dirham which a man consumes as riba knowingly is worse before Allah than 36 acts of zina. And then there's another hadith. There are 72 types of riba the least of which is like a man committing incest with his mother. 
I mean, committing incest and then committing incest with one's mother. I mean, this is this is really, really awful stuff. And interest is being juxtaposed to that as something that is even worse, even lowlier than that. And there are 72 types of interest that Prophet Sallallahu describes. This is the lowliest form of that. And that is what we're talking about here. So interest is a pretty big deal. Let's move on to looking at why is interest actually not allowed. And with when we discuss these things, the first answer is, of course, always because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that it is not allowed, right? That's the key thing. However, we are living in a society where it is important for us to reflect from a rational perspective as well, from an agnostic perspective, if you want to call it that, and really get to grips with why interest is not allowed and why that is actually a good thing and why that makes sense for us as Muslims. And, and that's important because, you know, we will encounter those conversations from our non-Muslim friends in day-to-day life uh, in any case. And so it's important for us to be able to justify from first principles why interest is not permissible. And it's also important for us to understand as well, because frankly, uh, interest is one of those things that is bound up with the the society and the financial industry and the financial economy around us. And a lot of us may not necessarily have the information about it to be able to uh, to be able to you know carry out a detailed analysis that is required uh, to make these arguments. And so we want to help today, inshallah, in in uh, in doing that. So there are, in summary, there are five key reasons why interest is not permissible. And these are five key reasons that are not relying on the Quran and the Sunnah. These are five key reasons from first principles, from a rational agnostic perspective, why interest is a bad thing, why Muslims don't like interest, why Islam, why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like interest. First, it is exploitative on the poor. So generally speaking, really, really simple character is that someone needs money. Who is that person who needs money? Someone who doesn't have money. Who are people who don't have money? Poor people. They look to someone who has money. Who are people who have money? Rich people. So the rich will then lend money to the poor because they have surplus money. And then the poor have to pay back more than they lent uh, in the first place to the rich person again. So the rich person, as you can see, it's like a little funnel. He gets richer and richer because he gets back, rather than the £100 he loaned, he gets back £120. And so he can then lend that out further and he can get £140, £150 and it keeps on growing. And the poor people, they somehow have to scrimp and save and they have to get that money to the rich person. And so we have this uh, we have this unequal distribution of wealth that results um, from this. And now, of course, this is a really simple caricature. So someone might say, well, what about the rich doctor who has a mortgage, right? That's that, that's not necessarily exploitative. That's not like, uh, you know, a, rich per- a poor person borrowing from the rich. It's a rich doctor borrowing from a bank. This is just the way it is. Right, so this is the second reason why interest is imp- impermissible. And that is because any system particularly the modern system within which we live, where this kind of interest is prevalent, the general system itself, the general financial system that is underpinning this whole model that we live in, where mortgages are actually necessary, is generally exploitative. And what do I mean by that? So, you know, people might say that, well, you know, 
getting a mortgage on a house is actually something that facilitates people uh, in, in making a purchase of a house. And it's not exploitative. Uh, but the problem is, I don't think people zoom out far enough when they think about this thing. And we need to remember that large banks have thousands and thousands upon thousands of these loans. And the first thing that they do, and this is, by the way, this is part of the broader argument why uh, the system that interest creates is generally exploitative. The first is that these loans are then packaged up into instruments that are sold out across the world uh, into various different small pieces. And that this is good for the bank because if a bank has got a mortgage coming in of 150, 200,000, and it knows that, that and it's marked it up and it will eventually in 20 years get back 350, 400,000 pounds, if it sells that debt down today, it can book a profit today, so it could if it if it has um, potential for you know two hundred thousand pounds worth of profit over twenty five thirty years, it could maybe get twenty to thirty thousand pounds profit today by selling that debt down to other people who will then um, who will then be able to um, receive the money as it comes through. So in other words, you've loaned out a bunch of money. So let's say you've loaned out two hundred thousand pounds. You then sell that debt down to other people who own that the, the the right to get that mortgage payment as it comes in and so the problem that happens here is twofold firstly incentives are not aligned so if you are the bank and you are no longer holding the exposure to the mortgage and someone else is who you've sold it to downstream then you don't particularly care that much who you're giving that mortgage to you know that person could be someone who doesn't really deserve to get a mortgage but you don't care because you know it's not your headache once you've sold it downstream, which you will do very, very quickly. So that's the first reason why it's an issue. You have a, a, a misalignment of incentives and that creates uh, inefficiencies in, in the mortgage market. And that creates, as we know, um, things like the global financial crisis, which was caused by this. And that's the second reason why this is problematic. You know, you create huge market instabilities from the wider impact of such activity. So that's uh, that's you know one key reason why the general system is exploitative. The second key reason is that you put money creation into the hands of the banks. So 97% of our money supply today in the UK is created through the issuance of debt. Uh, and what, what I mean by that is you've got the base currency, you've got uh, the pounds that are printed by uh, the Bank of England uh, and, and the you know the the mint uh, in the Bank of England, and then you've got some uh, some money that are stored in reserves. Uh, you know, cent all central banks have reserve um, have uh, accounts where ma large mainstream banks will essentially have current accounts, if you want to think of it that way, with the bank the Bank of England, and so you have a little bit of money there, and that's constitutes 3% of the, the vast money supply that we have in the UK. The the majority of it, the 97%, is created through the issuance of debt. And without getting into too much detail about it, this is putting money creation into the hands of the private banks. And so when we need money, the Bank of England is not really capable of directly influencing that. The Bank of England, all it can do is it can kind of encourage banks to create more debt um, and when it needs money to be contracted the money supply to be contracted the Bank of England tries to discourage banks from doing that but it doesn't really have 
an effective way of doing that. And that's what we saw in the global financial crisis. So the Bank of England you know, used quantitative easing to try and encourage more debt to be created. However, all banks did was they used up that money to buffer up their own reserves and they didn't want to lend out because really what, what drives them is their sentiment about the economy. And if their sentiment about the economy is not positive, then they don't particularly care and they're not going to lend out that money. So that's the other really, really problematic reason uh, that, uh, that interest should, um, uh, should not be allowed. And so uh, finally, you have, and this is still under the, the umbrella of uh, how interest creates a generally exploitative system. The fourth reason under this umbrella is that it requires debt to be written off or more debt to be issued. So if you have 97% of the money supply that is created by the issuing of debt, then uh, that debt will have interest on it. And that interest will be certainly more than, you know, just a few percentage points, it'll be a decent percentage point. And so we don't have enough money in our current economy to pay back that debt. So then long term, we will continue having to issue more and more money in order to be able to meet those debts. And so we are in this cycle of more and more debt needs to be issued, more and more uh, people need to take out that debt, uh, asset prices rise as a result of this. So, you know, the house prices, the doc doctor who needed to get the mortgage in the first place, why did he need that mortgage? Well, in large part because house prices have been going up steadily as a result of this huge influx of um, bank-created, private bank-created debt. Uh, and, and that creates more and more, uh, more and more money going into assets such as uh, houses. And that in turn raises the prices of houses. And we saw wherever, um, wherever you, you have an increase in uh, lending by banks, you see house prices going up as a result of that. And so uh, what am I trying to say here? All I'm trying to say here is that it perpetuates a cycle of debt. It leads to higher asset prices and it sh further shifts the power uh, from, the uh, from the ordinary people to the financiers. And none of those things are that uh, appealing. And so the there is a general system of exploitation that is created by the issuance of debt. So that's the, the second big reason. The first was that it's bad for the poor, it's exploitative for the poor. The second is that it creates a generally exploitative system and we had four underlying arguments for why that was the case and how that worked. And then thirdly, uh, interest is not permissible because money is a means of exchange and it's not uh, an asset in itself. So what I mean by that is, you know, you've got a pound, uh, pound coin or a five pound note. That in itself is not intrinsically valuable. It's near uh, worthless if you think about it. It's just a little piece of metal and it's a little piece of paper uh, that you can't even write on because it's got a load of writing on it. If you take away the value that it is imbued within it because of the acceptance within wider society or because uh, the state has decreed that it is worth such amount, the actual asset itself, the actual thing itself is worthless. And so uh, Islam views money as a means of exchange as opposed to an asset in itself. And Islam says uh, in the Sharia, it says that you can rent out an asset, right? You can rent out a car, you can rent out a house because there is 
a usufruct. There, there is a usage that you can get out of a car and a house because they are actually beneficial things. You can live in a house, you can drive a car. You can't do anything with money other than spend it, right? The only way that you can use money is by destroying it, is by spending it, is by getting rid of it, right? So if you give someone five pounds to rent, they won't be able to use it at all um, unless they spend it. And if they don't spend it, then it's basically useless to them. And so Islam says that when you're renting out an asset, that's the only thing you're allowed to rent out is an asset that has usufruct. And money doesn't have that usufruct. It's not an asset that is intrinsically uh, useful in itself. And so that's a technical reason why, um, why Islam says that money should not uh, be rented out, i.e. there should not be interest charged on, um, on money. And so the, we're getting on to the fourth reason now, and that this is uh, that renting out of money is, it's, as we were discussing, it's not really something that's possible. Uh, but let's say that we want to think about it as renting out the confidence of many others in society. Because what is that five pounds? That five pounds, the value it has, is representative of the confidence that many others have in society um, that it is worth that amount. And when a bank says that I want to lend this five pounds to you, uh, what the bank is doing is taking that confidence of many others in society that has been imbued within this five pounds and it is renting that out. And that seems like a really odd uh, an odd result, if you think about it, because uh, it doesn't seem right that a bank uh, should be able to rent out something that is not really A, theirs to rent out, B, is not really clear what exactly it is, um, and C, it just seems that, um, you know, the, just the very act in itself of renting out that currency is going to end up um, actually depreciating the very thing that you are renting out, i.e. the confidence of many others in society. And what do I mean by that? Well, this is now getting on to the fifth point, And that is that when you rent out money, when you give an interest-bearing loan out, um, as we discussed earlier, you will need to issue more debt into the overall economy you will need to increase the money supply in the overall economy by this issuance of debt in order to have enough money to pay back that debt in the first place. And so what are you doing? Uh, you're creating inflation. You're reducing the value of that money by the very act of issuing that debt. And, and so the very act of issuing that debt, by the very act of renting out that money, you are actually reducing the thing that you are renting out, the confidence of many others in society in that five pounds, because that confidence will go down if inflation is increasing. And so um, there are, I mean, this is now kind of almost like a quasi-philosophical argument for why interest is impermissible. But uh, but this is the, the final, fifth and final argument that, um, that I had, um, that I thought about for why interest is impermissible. And that is that the very act um, of renting out or lending money is going to be reducing 
the the value imbued with it in the first place and that is not something um that is acceptable and that is not something that you know anyone who would be renting out um a bicycle for example would be happy with you want to get back the thing that you rented out as it is uh, in the first place uh, and and not something that is that is worse um than what you rented out so that's really the majority of what i wanted to say today uh, because i think it's important to set the the scene um and to give a lie of the land in terms of you know why do we actually care about interest in the first place um what i do want to do before we conclude though is um point out a few really interesting statistics that i came across the first was that 15000 pounds per uk household um is the um division of debt across the uk so people every household in the uk is on average in 15000 pounds worth of debt that's a really really uh, astonishing and quite shocking statistic if you think about it because the average wage is something like 25000 pounds and and yet here we are finding that 15000 pounds in debt per household that's that's a big number then another statistic is that we have uh, every person uh, has 33000 of national debt uh, attributed to them if we were to split up the national debt and we pay 2000 pounds in taxes every year to pay the interest on that national debt and another crazy statistic that i found was that we pay 192 million pounds in interest to uk banks every day and so you know this is really all of these things are going back to that um second argument which is that the system that interest creates is fundamentally exploitative and and hugely problematic when you see the broader implications of it and when you see how things um play out and 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 we often uh, fail to see that when we are in the thick of it and then very finally allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says in this verse he says in the very verse that we read at the start that they say that business or trade is just like interest but allah has permitted trade and has forbidden interest and uh, we will go into this inshallah in future um, episodes and we will go into the uh, this distinction between trade and the distinction uh, and the difference between that and interest but in a nutshell interest is something that doesn't deal in the real world it doesn't have any productive value it doesn't uh it doesn't help in creating things right uh and islam and the uh, and economists generally say that if we are going to live a flourishing productive good economic life then we need to be engaged in the real economy in real assets and the real buying and selling of such goods rather than moving around pieces of paper and creating this facade of you know false wealth where which is in reality based upon when we get down into the um the pipe work is based upon exploitation and so that's the kind of uh, overarching reason why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that trade is permissible and it's not like interest whereas interest 
when we look into it, when we really look into it, we see that it is something really, really harmful for society. And and actually it's that harmful that it's worse than the, some of the bigger sins like murder, uh, zina, stealing, um, you know, etc., etc. And why why is that so? Why is it made such a big deal? Well, the reason is because, and a scholar um, you know, said this, he said that the reason is because interest leads on to all of these other things. So when someone is poor, when you see people who are really struggling, then it creates this uh, class of really poor people who then uh, you know, fall into alcoholism and there might be a rise in zina, there might be a rise in stealing and theft and robberies, etc. And all of this stuff is caused by that interest uh, that was charged in the first place or the economy which gives rise to such an underbelly of poor people in the first place. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the ills of interest and guide us to understand why it is impermissible and to avoid it in its all in all of its shapes and forms and to um, help us in uh, leading a financial life that is productive for our society as opposed to destructive and based upon interest. أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم فاستغفروا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم. And if you haven't uh, subscribed to our podcast or our YouTube channel, then please do so uh, to um, keep up to date with this and and other episodes that we um, that we produce. And um, please do also like the YouTube video. Uh, and if you have any comments or any thoughts or any queries, then please do comment below on the YouTube channel or on um, or email us at ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com, mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com, and we'll be more than happy to get back to you with our thoughts. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.